Hello. Welcome again to the Waking Up to Money podcast. This is a podcast for entrepreneurs, change makers, freelancers, founders, companies of one who are passionate about the work that they do, uh, but struggle with the money and struggle with the pricing. On this episode, where Ben and I are talking about how pricing isn't just something you do in isolation and it's something that you need to link to selling, marketing um, and the journey that people go on. You know, it's very easy to waste time trying to sell to skeptics and convince people to buy something that they're not ready to buy. So how can you enhance your approach to pricing and waste less time trying to sell by thinking about the journey of the customer to you and how you get them essentially to arrive at your door ready to buy and essentially your pricing is just helping them make a decision on how best to engage so i hope you enjoy this conversation Where are we? Where are we? Well, what, what? Where are we? Oh, I don't know who I am. I'm coming back from a week of nothing. Oh, of course. So now your your life has been filled with everything, and it's oh all my god, everything that was on hold is now flooded back into that void that was nothing of my the void of my life that was nothing. So I'm just trying not to. And that's why I get too caught up with the stuff. Mm. At the same time, compelled to do the stuff, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, but, I, I, but I'm happy for you. <laughs> um, hello, Alex, Cecile, Andy, Andres, and, and maybe Craig. Oh, Jan just joined us. Hello, Jan. Um, if Craig is here, I, I, what are you doing up at 3 a.m. in the morning? Because Craig is in, in Oregon. Um so I'll be very curious. Hey, excellent. Good. Good to see you. Thank you very much for oh my god. Craig, oh no. What are you doing? <laughs> we're concerned for you, Craig. We're, oh, Craig. we're worried that there is a 3 a.m. listener. Yes. Well is it to go to sleep? Are you listening to us Maybe in order is. to go to sleep? Exactly. <laughs> so we, we must talk very quietly and very soothingly. Maybe he misunderstood waking up to money. <laughs> It's going to sleep to money. <laughs> that's the thing. Well, that, that's the trouble with the internet um, is that it's always nighttime or um, happy hour somewhere in the world. <laughs> it's always happy hour. But um, Is that your tagline? It is always happy hour somewhere in the world. <laughs> I actually, I'm going to use that one. Thank you. That's a good one. The happy startup school. It's always happy hour at some point. Somewhere in the world. <laughs> Oh God! I think I, I'm feeling like it's 3 a.m. now <laughs> with these rambles. All right, I feel a little bit of pressure now to to make sure uh, Craig staying up so early in the morning is it, it will make it useful for him. But at the same time, I don't feel the pressure. No, oh, the paradox. Um, how are you arriving, Ben? How are you this morning? How am I this morning? I am good this morning. Um... Yeah, we had a. We happened to have Carlos and I had a, a session with one of our um, groups that comes as a follow-on from the pricing course, and actually that sort of the, that session was kind of very kind of grounding, very calming, 
quite sort of energizing. I think before that, I'd been feeling a little bit frenetic last night and this morning. Uh, but actually, yeah, that group has had a very kind of calming effect, which is quite unusual for coming into these conversations. Um, maybe because nothing, we normally do them kind of first thing in the morning. So that gets the full brunt of however I'm feeling that day. But yeah, so kind of feeling feeling kind of calmer, grounded, and and energized. What about you? Yeah, I'm I'm similarly in that space. I think it was, it's always very connecting um, to be able to be in a small group uh, and and feel like you're supporting someone, uh, and also just getting down to the nub of, of of a challenge or a question. And that's one of the things I like about these momentum groups that we're running. Um, and also, actually, that conversation essentially informed a little bit of my thinking um, for this conversation that we're having around pricing, <laughs> selling, and marketing, and how does it all fit together. So essentially, having done no preparation, this morning was good preparation <laughs> yes. for what we're going to be talking about. Um, it's also, this conversation for me is linking a bit to what uh, we're going to be talking about on Friday, on the Friday Fireside around this idea of essentially stop selling and trying to get to the truth. Um, uh, and the, the, I think the, the premise there is this idea that we can get too obsessed with selling strategies and pricing strategies and how to convince someone who might not be wanting to buy your stuff. And maybe, maybe this is where the, the selling tactics can get a bad rap. It's like, oh, how can I use psychology and brain manipulation in order to get someone to buy the thing that I want them to buy as opposed to this is just a component of a wider set of things that we need to do in our businesses so for me the intention of this conversation is while we are you know the pricing men in inverted commas happy um, pricing men happy pricing men I should say uh, and a lot of the stuff we talk about on this and the course is about how to price well it's also giving it a context um that people just don't come to us well generally they shouldn't come to us cold <laughs> there should be some way of uh, of us them turning up and saying okay um they it isn't like they don't know us from adam or else it makes pricing harder i don't know what do you think about that uh which bit <laughs> <laughs> the the price you know trying to price cold essentially mm -hmm. this idea like okay you know we just focus on pricing strategies and hope people turn up and then they will just buy from us because we priced so well mm -hmm. yeah 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 i mean <clears throat> um i think um this this kind of idea this the, the kind of theme of where pricing marketing and selling um kind of fits together for me that is about is kind of the question probably is less like where do they fit together? Well, it's, it's of course they are all inextricably linked because you know what we earn. So we're talking about that in a sort of shorthand of kind of pricing, what we earn is really a kind of function of kind of what we're selling, who we're selling it to. You know, parking whether there is overselling or whatever. But you know what what we earn is you know what it is that we do, who that we kind of provide it to. So what the value of that is to them, uh, and also how we go about, you know, uh, how we, we go about selling, how we have those conversations. Uh, because I think just to a nod to what you were saying around, there is, you know, um, this kind of idea around the psychology of these things. Maybe, you know, it's kind of that points to a, 
uh, a kind of uh, a kind of a weakness in marketing in some respects. But but equally, there is you know even if the kind of truth is there, the kind of even if the truth of a fit is there. And so, you know, what I do, I kind of have, you know, I the intent of what I do is really, um, you know, I really believe it would kind of benefit you. I can really see how, you know, all of the things that I might offer you are useful to you. Still, there is a kind of journey that you need to go on with your prospects where you're kind of creating space enough for them to feel comfortable stepping into it. So I think that, um, you know, marketing, selling and pricing are all inextricably linked because, like I said, what you um, is a function of what you do, who you do it for, and how you sell. So for me, they are really kind of fully, fully joined up and need to be understood. Uh, <clears throat> the, the relationship between all of those needs to be kind of well understood and appreciated. Mm. I think that element about who you do it for, I think for me, is, is quite an important thread that goes through all of this. And then um, there's something here around and then there's this need we should be good at selling and so we should know how to talk to someone and it can feel like a lot of pressure when you're in front of someone and and particularly if you're you know cash flow is doing a bit of a nosedive and and you're kind of scrambling for um for the next client uh, you know a selling tactic is just a discount and it's like you know and then it starts to get desperate and then you start thinking oh how how can i have a conversation with this person where they start to you know like agree with me you know all these kind of tactics that i remember from like reading these selling books or i, I don't whether getting some no's or getting some yeses or you know these like very kind of like uh silver bullety type approaches and so there's this pressure to try and convince someone in front of you and i like what cecile just said here and this for me related she said i re- read somewhere that preaching to the converted is a better strategy rather than trying to convince the skeptics and for me, the way that lands is like, if I, I can't, I, I don't want to waste my time trying to sell to a skeptic. You know, if I'm selling to a skeptic, that's going to take a lot of time and energy. And, and that's going to take away from the available resources I have to do good work. Mm-hmm. So if, if you are, you know, the way I look at it, if you are someone who wants to do good work and put their heart and soul into that stuff, you don't want to waste time trying to convince someone who is kind of like already not interested in your work if that makes sense mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah uh and uh which is sort of unrelated but of course the point that Cecile's making you know in, in many respects we can obviously we can learn how kind of large companies that are just exclusively um motivated by profit you can, a lot of what they're doing of course you know they are using to their ends but equally can we can learn from those things and the point you make uh, Cecile there is essentially the thing that underpins all car advertising. Car advertising is targeted at the people who already bought the company's cars for all of the reasons. Like I said, you know, it is actually better. And we can use these things with a different intent and a different kind of desired outcome. But yeah, the reason that they kind of do that is, you know, to the people who do already understand what you do, the people who have already kind of bought into the value of what you do. Of course, there is a there is a kind of richer pool of opportunity with those people, which is true for, you know, everybody kind of listening to this who is not motivated really exclusively by profit is potentially more, you're probably more motivated by, by purpose. These are important things to kind of keep in mind. Yes, you know, 
trying to kind of change people's minds is a harder, long thing to do. So better to kind of invest your time and energy where there is already some degree of alignment for sure. I'd be interested to hear from those of you listening what how you feel about selling in terms of your own sales skills, your ability to sell. So um, if you're up for it, if you just share in the chat, if you feel like really confident about selling and you think you can sell to anyone, you know, score yourself a five. And if you're like, oh, I really hate selling, I think it's really horrible and it's really unethical, score yourself a one just to get a kind of a feel for what that means to you in terms of, um, yeah, the way you you approach essentially getting customers. Um, and one of the things that springs to mind is this idea of on the pricing course, we talk about, you talk about people buying one of two things or maybe both good feelings mm -hmm. and solutions. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something we've covered before in the past on, on, on a previous webinar. And check out the YouTube channel if you want to see the archive. Um, and we'll put that into the link in the chat in a bit. But there's also, I think, within the marketing aspect is like, how do you talk to those good feelings and solutions as part of the stories you tell? Uh, and this, for me, relates to this, not only preaching to the converted, is attracting the people who are looking for those good feelings and solutions. Mm -hmm. and, and and that being the thread, again, that starts to link marketing and, and pricing and, and, and selling. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's what I think in, in your question, there's in a way, there's sort of like two different things. You know, how do you feel about your ability to sell? And also there was a kind of almost a secondary thing around the extent to which you kind of um, kind of see selling as something which is kind of an unpleasant sort of thing to I can't remember the exact sort of words. And in a way, they're quite different things, really, because like you're talking about, one of the things we talk about on the course, this idea that people do buy good feelings and they buy solutions. But so then the job of the person selling something is to connect the thing that they do, you know, if it's coaching, if it's I don't know, coaching, design, whatever the kind of range of things, whatever it, it might be, is to connect the kind of what of what you do um, to these good feelings, to these solutions. And that, you know, that requires that's a kind of dynamic exercise. It requires some kind of playing around. It requires some conversation. It requires some. Um, some kind of positive intent on the part of the seller to to really better understand where the person is coming from, what their motivations are, what's brought them to wanting to have this conversation with you now. Because you know, lots of everybody's kind of motivation is is slightly different. Everybody's kind of journey is slightly different. And the opportunity is to be able to kind of hear those differences, and so and so with that kind of learn some of the good feelings that they are kind of that they are wanting, that they are that they are kind of motivated to get the things that they really want solving, which is not really about the what of what you do. It's about something in their realm going away. And of course, that all of these things require, you know, like I said, all of these things are a bit fluid. All of these things are a bit dynamic. And so, you know, the more time that you can spend understanding these things, which is where this thing around, you know, marketing, selling, pricing, always inextricably linked. Because you might look at these things and say, oh, that's about marketing. Oh, understanding who it is that I'm selling and what their kind of motivations are. Oh, somebody else might say, no, it's about selling because it's about the dialogue and the, the process, the dance you go on with your clients, with your prospects to arrive at a kind of mutually beneficial kind of midpoint. Or, or it might be kind of pricing because it's some sort of consequence of those things. But I think actually, in truth, it's very difficult to separate these things out. 
you know, there is always, like I say, there is a kind of dance. For me, selling in a way does encapsulate all of this because for me, you know, contrary to kind of what, you know, stories are told, I don't really think you can persuade people to do things that they don't want to do. Uh, and, you know, so it's not really kind of about that. It's about kind of a, a sort of agreeing some sort of change which your client, your customer wants to make and agreeing that you are able to help them with that change. So you're agreeing that something is going to change for them for the better in the future. And then the journey you're going on is about navigating to that point. And sort of mm. understanding and learning about all of these things for me is a, is a kind of dance. It is a It is a kind of exploratory process. And I think, you know, when we sort of connect a little bit more to the kind of positivity of that motivation or the positivity of that intent, it makes the dance, it makes the journey an easier one to go on. It's less about sales as an unpleasant thing. It's more about discovery. It's more about that journey traveled together. I like that. And then Craig just mentioned um, Seth Godin talking about marketing about is, is about empathy. Yeah. Um, and I, the word connection springs to mind when you're talking about this dance. Is is you're kind of trying to connect? I think if you dance well, particularly, I don't, I don't watch Strictly, but anyway, my my wife does, and it's. I think there's something the way I understand dance is about connecting to the energy of your partner and really being able to feel where they want to go, what is it the the this they're feeling, um, which for me ties to the good feelings and solutions, and as a as Someone, you know, when we talk about on the pricing course, there's this idea of the really understanding your customer and um, having a dialogue and, and, and a conversation with them. And that, that can work if maybe you're, I don't know, you're in more of the service sector and, and you or like an agency and you can have like these kind of initial meetings with a customer. But there are so many other people that that you would need to talk to or it would be useful to talk to that you can't do one-on-one -on -one because it's just too much time and effort. Um, and so this is where I start to link it to this idea of marketing is like having this, particularly in this age of social media, when it works, um, <laughs> to be able to have this dialogue with people based on the good feelings and solutions that you believe people want. And not that, you know, you just say one thing and you just stop there. It's like, by having this dialogue, by talking about the the outcomes, as I think what Linda was talking about, the outcomes in terms of how people want to feel and what things they want to, places they want to get to or things they want to get out of the way, by talking to that and talking about why you feel it's important, that for me sounds like a nicer, what, a more energizing way to look at marketing that links to pricing as well. That isn't just about, look at me, I'm so great, or look at my shiny new thing, or look at my new service and how amazing it is. But it's more about, I see these people, I know what they're going through, I know how they're feeling, I know how they wanna feel. And maybe as well, I felt like that as well. Um, and this is, again, talks to Craig thing about empathy. And this is the journey that I've been on, or this is the way I want to take away those challenges or uh, add those good feelings. And that mm -hmm. feels a bit more, yeah, less icky, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, very much, very much. Because I, I know from my own sort of personal view, like a sort of a weakness that I have around selling, which kind of is a sort of extension of what you're talking about there. You know, for me, I think because I'm sort of, you know, naturally quite competitive, selling become, you know, there is a, I have a tendency where if I'm not conscious of it, 
selling can become a sort of competitive endeavor. And so I guess, so that would be the kind of, you know, the the kind of the, the dark side of my own kind of motivation. Yes, there is an intent and intent to find a, a kind of connection to find that kind of balance of energy with the people who I might be talking to uh, about a product or service that I might be providing. So, you know, I guess one of those kind of energies for me to be aware of is that is the kind of competitive nature and I get to can get sort of stuck in, in that sort of thing. The other thing that sort of happens is, um, you know, there is also on that sort of that kind of less welcome side, the kind of, you know, the, the kind of desire to be liked and the desire to be accepted. And so selling can also get kind of wrapped up in that as well. It's like this is part of a kind of process of just making somebody like me, you know, which clearly is a, a kind of ridiculous idea. But that also kind of starts, you know, not if I'm not kind of aware, can sort of muddy itself, can muddy itself in, in the sort of sales process. And, you know, and I think, it's, you know, it's just kind of worthwhile kind of knowing all of these sorts of motivations. Because like you say, it's kind of least icky, kind of purest place is where there is a kind of, you know, a, a kind of a positivity of intent on my behalf, the provider of the service or the provider of the product. You know, I really believe in this. I really believe in the usefulness, in the goodness of this, in the potential value of this for you. Then there is a, a kind of dance, a dialogue, which goes where I'm learning about you and I'm understanding about you. And what we're trying to find out is, is you know, do, is there a fit? Is there a kind of overlap? And I guess the only bit where there is not a kind of clear line is, you know, all of my intent, all of my belief may be true. I may really genuinely believe, and it may be true that the thing I provide is useful to you. But whether you are in a place where you are able to kind of recognize that, you know, it might be I can help you get to that place. It might be that there's nothing I can do to get you to that place. And in some respects, there is we don't know the outcome of those things until we've explored it a little bit. And so knowing how long to explore or how to explore, I guess, is where there is more art than there is science. Mm. When you were talking about the, as you say, the competitive nature mm. of it, my, my mind sprang to like a chess game. Like you're trying to strategically maneuver the pieces in this conversation about price and selling. Um, is that what you meant in terms of the competitive? Is that the same kind of the similar kind of feeling? Uh, yeah, uh, yes. And also, you know, like the kind of the, the selling was about winning. Yeah. So, so kind of, yeah. So, more about that, you know, what are, yeah, exactly. What are the, how do I move the pieces in such a way that I increase the likelihood of winning? Yeah. There's a cleverness aspect to that. It's like, mm. ooh. I know that move, that killer move. Mm -hmm. I can like get checkmate in three moves, and it's like ah, oh, that's a real sense of satisfaction around that. And and I get that. I I, I get, get that idea as well. Um, and then and then how that might rub up against this idea of, I see your problem. I see what your challenges are. I really, you know, um, empathize with where you're at. And I love doing this thing. There's this thing I do, and it's really great. Oh, it's amazing. And I, you know, I just wanted to like sort of uh, flag what Julian said. You know, I have to thoroughly believe in the product in order to sell. You know, it's supposed to be a five in the selling process. And so there's there's this aspect here around. I think you know we don't want to throw strategy out of the window. I think it's very useful to be aware about that stuff. But if, like you said, if we're driven by this either need to win or these need to be liked, how that might actually not get us to where we want to get to. 
which is essentially might not or definitely won't. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be black and white about these things. <laughs> we might be lucky, uh, yeah, because it's that thing. Is like um, we, we can be very strategic about an engagement in terms of selling and like no and and get the the customer and and get them to pay the money that we want them to pay. But then is that going to be in service? And this is maybe part of where we are in terms of marketing, what we do in the happy pricing course. Is that in service of running a business that feels effortless, that you feel is purposeful, and that is sustaining you in the way that you want financially? Mm -hmm. And if, if you manage to get a client on board cleverly, but then actually you just don't enjoy being with them, there's no real connection there, you know, the money's good, but actually your energy isn't there in terms of the work and it feels like an effort to do the work, then maybe you're not winning. Mm -hmm. And that for me is, is for me, part of what you're talking about in terms of the awareness of, you know, what's driving the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, the kind of the, the kind of reality, of course, is that, you know, we come to our work, you know, with all us with you know, a, a kind of blend of all of these things. There's a little bit of my, you know, competitive nature. There's a little bit of me wanting to be liked. There's a bit of me that, you know, wants to kind of do well by you, the person that I'm sort of talking to. And it's kind of it's kind of being kind of aware and mindful of that kind of sort of spread of motivation, that spread of kind of energy, if you like, so that you can take the best bits of all of them to get to the kind of best outcome that will be. Uh, but you kind of understanding that there is a, there is a kind of spread of energy, if you like, in all of that, in, in, in how we turn up for our work. We have a question from Craig here. Uh, let's see if we can um, tackle this. So he says, it seems like to do this pricing stuff really well, this is what I'm assuming, it is mostly a matter of detaching from I need money. So they say, oh, this is kind of a conscious need, I need money. It often feels like the elephant in the room. With all the talk about serving others' needs and what they really want, would I do it all the same if I wasn't doing it because I want need to get more money? So is this this need for money, I think is the way Craig is putting it, um, influencing our interactions with the people who need our help uh, in a maybe non-beneficial way? Mm. How would you... How would you tackle that? And Craig, please say something in the chat if we're totally off the piece there. Mm. Um, <clears throat> that's a good question, isn't it? Um, if we, if there was no financial need, uh, would you, would you converse? Would you interact in a different way? I think inevitably you would interact in a different way, um, but I don't think I don't think it's a good bad spectrum. I think for sure there was there is you would approach these you would approach the conversations in, in a different in a different way, um, but you know I think the I think for sure the extent to which we feel the need for for money and you know I guess even within that there is also a spectrum isn't there of course we need money to function in the world there's no there's no doubt about that but what equally can happen is. We have a feeling of the need for money, which is um, which is which is which is kind of felt much more strongly 
than maybe is the kind of real, which kind of links to money stories and how we feel about money generally and kind of ideas of not having enough or ideas of we're going to run out or ideas of you know all, all of those things which which can sort of really undermine our confidence and undermine how we engage with our kind of prospects and with our kind of market. So I guess there's a kind of few things kind of going on there. If you didn't need money at all, if money was absolutely 100% no object, for sure, you would probably engage with your clients and sort of prospects differently. But that being said, it's the money stories thing which can really undermine how we're engaging. And that's not to say I don't need money this year, next this month, this week, whatever it might be. But it's our feeling around the money which has the most undermining effect. Hmm. Yeah, I think. So the, the thing that springs to mind is um, the perception of value. And our commitment, not only us as suppliers, but our customers. Because if they're not committed or they don't value the change that you want to create for them, then you're not going to have fun or enjoy the work and they're going to waste their time. And so there's a question there around what there are still conversations that we need to have around empathy and outcomes and good feelings and solutions and you know, what is, like you, we say on the course, what is the cost of not doing it? Not necessarily in terms of money, but in terms of the the um, unpleasant feelings or the stuckness that you're still going to experience by not investing in this solution or this service or whatever it is you're offering. So at some level, I think that, does, that doesn't even anything to do with money. You know, that's just to do with, okay, are we both committed to doing the work? Then the other aspect is then, what's going to get me out of bed <laughs> and what is going to make my customer feel like this is worthwhile. You know, this is really how, because the money bit isn't just about uh, an absolute value, is it? It's, it's about as a, per, as a person, how much am I committed to the work? Am I 500 pounds committed to the work? Am I a thousand pounds committed to the work? And is it a thousand pounds because it's a thousand pounds, one with three zeros or is a thousand pounds that actually thousand pounds is a bit of a stretch for me but actually i value the work so much that i'm willing to have that pain or that stretch in order to make the solution happen and how much is that me as the customer's issue or the supplier's issue because this is where i think your money stories comes into play is that thankfully we're all unique beings with different experiences and different parents and we've inherited different perspectives on this whole situation so I cannot invalidate your feelings around a thousand pounds by saying, oh, thousands are too much. I can't let you pay that. When in fact, actually, that's an important number for you. So this is where, yes and no. I think it's, I think the reason why we do this pricing course, because it's important to know, to, to, to include the idea of money in these conversations because of the systems we live in. Um, and also, I think there's an interesting element it adds to this idea of how we commit do the work that we're paying for. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And just looking back at your uh, question again, Craig, I, I think one of the things that we talk about in the course is this idea of pricing outside in. And um, so it's almost like kind of irrespective of whether you would you would come at the conversation differently or whatever. Really, the important person in all of the kind of work dialogue is the person on the other side of the table or the people on the other side of the table, the people you are doing the work for or want to be doing the work for. 
And um, the more that, you know, irrespective of whether if you had no need for money in, in how you came to that conversation, creating an approach, creating a, a kind of process, if you like, which allows you to spend as much time walking in their shoes without kind of muddying it by your shoes. Really what we're interested in is what approach, what process could you use so that you really are invested in understanding them, their motivations, their concerns, irrespective of yours, you know, and often we need a process to do that because of we also come with our own our own sort of stuff. So having a process to allow you to really understand that, the more you understand that, you will understand their motivation. You will understand the good feelings that they're after. You will understand the solutions that they really, really want that they might not be saying, they might not be kind of articulating. And then you bring your work together with them, irrespective of whether you need money tomorrow, next week, next month, or this year, which of course everybody does. But yeah, it's being outside in, walking in their shoes more than your own. Awesome. And, and the thing that I'd like to add on to that is that once you've got all of that information, you have a choice. You can say, I want to work with you for that much money, and I don't. And so there's a customer. And it's less about, oh, I need to reduce my price, reduce my price. Oh, they're finally working with me. Oh, I don't want to, I don't feel energetic anymore. And it's, it's, it's I think, a very, for a better, adult conversation about this is what you need, this is what I need. I, I'm happy to work on this basis. Um, and like I like the idea of what you said, and then the process is the scaffolding we need because we are human beings that aren't necessarily enlightened enough to be aware of the stories that are driving us around this conversation. And that's why you do the pricing course. <laughs> <laughs> Great sales pitch there. Thank you very much. We've got we've got Neil here. He's got a question. <clears throat> How do you put a price on value? Interesting. You have a product or service where you can sell the value, but at what price? Does it come down to a fairness aspect? If so, why do some people charge so much more for what seems to be the same thing? Oh, this is a crunchy one. Something that we tackle quite a lot. Ben, how are you gonna how are you gonna give Neil a silver bullet in three minutes? <laughs> um well. I guess the thing is, how do people seem to sell the same thing for so much more uh, is kind of what I guess uh, the uh, kind of at the heart of that that question. And um, I guess my first response would be that the person really, there's only, like we're saying, there's one person really who decides what the value of something is. And that's not the person who's selling it. It's the person who's buying it. They are the one who is the arbiter, the judge of value. Uh, and so, it's, you know, yes, there is always an element of kind of fairness, but fairness, that's a, the, a kind of, um, it's a relative thing. And it's about the kind of the, the conversations that's going on. I, I guess kind of thinking about, you know, an example in, the, in a kind of coaching space, obviously someone like Tony Robbins sells, a day's event for twenty thousand dollars, or whatever the number might be, and somebody else sells um, an hour's coaching for thirty. <laughs> <laughs> somebody else spells spends a, spend an hour's coaching for thirty-five, and says like, "Well, you know, what is kind of what is going on there?" And what the really the thing that's going on there is a perceptional value issue, 
And the perception of value is not for us to look from the outside going, but that doesn't add up. The person whose view matters is the person you are selling to, the person you are providing to. And the task of the selling, the marketing, the pricing all coming together is about establishing that perception of value. And I, I had this a little bit recently with uh, one of the courses that I was uh, running for um, some kind of some, some founders, which were run over a 10-month period. There is a, a kind of thing around how much, you know, to, um, to Craig's early point, how much I kind of needed to earn over the year and how that kind of links to how much time I'm willing to give over to paid work versus how much time I'm willing to give to other activities that I like to be involved with. So I get to a kind of figure where actually this is the amount that I need to kind of generate for cash flow purposes. This is really how much time I have because of all the other things going on. Therefore, if I'm working on these kind of things, necessarily it needs to be at this level. And in some respects, if I just kind of offered that up, people would say, well, that sounds like very that sounds like a ridiculously large amount of money for what it is. But to to the question here, the task then is for me to establish that there is that value baked into the work. And if I can't persuade people that there is that value baked into the work, they quite simply will not do it. And so it kind of comes back again. The the only person who needs to be the judge of whether something is good value or not is the person who might buy it. Because if they feel it does have a lot of value, they will buy it. And if they feel it doesn't have a lot of value, they will not buy it. Awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> For some reason, the, the glass of water thing springs to mind. You know, a glass of water in a desert to someone who's incredibly thirsty. It's a glass of water. It can be a glass of water anywhere. But there's something about timing and context that actually creates a different sense of value. So that's what springs to mind when you talk about, yeah, it's the same thing, but sometimes it's more expensive. Well, that's, for me, a context thing. And then mm -hmm. there's the T-shirt thing. It's a white T-shirt. It's a white T-shirt. It's a Gucci T-shirt. It's a Yves Saint Laurent T-shirt. It's a Primark T-shirt. Um, some people say it's unethical to be selling the same T-shirt for a lot of money. But then if there, maybe there's, a, if you, those are the kind of people, so that you can start have a broader conversation like, people shouldn't have lots of money, full stop. Because it's the people who have lots of money who can spend lots of money on a white T-shirt. So for me, the, converse, the the argument there is it's also, like you're saying, Ben, it's, it's who are you serving? Who are you mm. selling to? Uh, and they have a capacity to buy that is very different depending on on their context. So ultimately, it, 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 it isn't just a black and white thing in terms of these numbers. It, it's such a, this, and again, this is why we do the pricing course. Mm. It's such a more um, nuanced experience than uh, just sticking a label on a, on a tin and saying that's how much it costs. Mm. Yeah, so just two, two kind of quickish things I'd kind of add to that. One, what we're talking about here, not that we need to get sort of stuck down this rabbit hole, is a, there's a whole kind of... Um, Sort of, uh, sort of theory, sort of school of economics, which is around the kind of sort of subject, subjective value uh, and kind of relative value, and this is all about the kind of subjective value of things, essentially, and that then really starts to kind of deeply talk to people's motivation and their intent, and you know when somebody is buying something from you. There's many, many different things going on. It's like we say, it's not really about the what of what you do. For some people, buying something which has a sort of uh, a high, a high perceived price tag, is important because it it's a kind of a demonstration of how they express themselves in the world. It says something about who they are. It says something about how they want to be seen. 
And so this, you know, all, all of these sorts of things, all of these motivations are going on when people choose to buy something, which is why we're sort of talking around these good feelings and solutions. This is, you know, it's the kind of myriad of these emotional drivers, which have a huge role to play when somebody's choosing whether to buy your thing or not. Uh, and money is an important signal in that for the person who, you know, when, at both both ways, whether it's for the person who likes to, you know, spending a lot feels important, but equally for the person who's spending little feels important. It's still the same thing. It's money as a signal, which is linking to some underlying motivation, some underlying emotional driver. And all of that is happening in the heart and mind of the person or the people on the other side of the table. I wanted to add a little thing onto that. I don't know why the, the, the Etsy sprang to mind. And I was thinking about craftspeople and people who love their work. You know, someone, if you see someone like crafting a beautiful bowl out of wood and you see the energy and love that's gone into that and you realize they only make five bowls a week or something, are you happy to give them five quid for that bowl? You know, that, that for me is a question about where is the value? It's a bowl. You know, you can, just, you can eat stuff. But what is it that creates the value in that bowl for you? as the person who, who's looking at that bowl. And I'd like to share that. What about any work? What is it? How are you expressing the love for your work? Not as an object, as a product that's scalable, but as, as a craft that adds value to the work. And how that can reframe our thoughts about, oh, it's the same thing. Why does it cost different for different people? Well, maybe there's an energy aspect to it as well, rather than just a functional bit. Hmm. Uh, okay, one more. Uh, we have Linda here asking, uh, pricing isn't transparent at all. How do you benchmark what you're offering? Sense check it against other people and businesses and make sure you're not overpricing or shortchanging yourself. And she says she appreciates she's being naive about this. I think we touched on this a little bit, but this, this idea of like, um, it's a, what's too much and what's too little, it sounds like. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess the first thing I said it depends a little bit um, what you're what you're selling. Um, but the the thing that I'd say one of the uh, sort of little rules of thumb we have is basically don't bench don't benchmark, don't stress about benchmarking, don't let your competitors determine your price. And people then go, oh well, fuck, then that makes sense because I can't sort of turn up and say my thing costs. 100 pounds but everybody else's cost 10 pounds i think you know you need to establish value you need to kind of qualify that in the mind of the person who's buying and so the thing that happens when we benchmark is our competitors are deciding what our prices should be but even where that happens there's still huge variance in those things so i would say stress less about benchmarking and invest that time and energy into better understanding the motivation of the people who might buy your thing so that you can start to establish a value as they see it mm. uh, and try and play in that space. Yeah, good. Um, so on the shortchanging part of the conversation, Linda, there's a, a member of our community called Alan Wick. He runs a course uh, called The Business of Business. And one of the elements of his course, which I'd like to, to make fun of, is, is spreadsheets, essentially profit and loss. Like how much, if you're not making more money than you're spending, then you're not a business. So for me, you know, a very good benchmark if you're shortchanging yourself is like, actually, 
am I losing money over the month? And mm. what does that mean to lose money? And so there's that also then links to the vision. You know, what what does it mean? And this is maybe a challenging question. Is to uh, what does it mean to earn enough? Because when you know what earning enough means, then you know how much you need to charge for what you do or how many times you need to do it in order to survive or thrive in inverted commas as a business or a founder or, or a company of one. Mm. And so that that becomes the lower limit. And, and then you decide whether to go below that or not, depending again on the conversations that Ben's talking about. And then for yeah. me, there is no upper limit. Think based on no, there is no, no upper the upper limit like Ben says is, is dictated on who's out there who will pay whatever they need to pay in order to work with you and and then it's like as it, the element I will add on to that if there's someone saying oh my god I can't just charge a million quid for an hour of my time that's ridiculous it's just not fair I think it's not fair if you hoard that money mm-hmm. it's like what are you going to do with that money if you're going to say ah we keep it no one's going to have it then yeah that's not fair but then you now have a choice to spend a million quid on whatever you want and whoever you want, whichever mm-hmm. cord you want. So that for me unlocks this idea of there's no, you know, you can't charge, you know, if you charge too much, it's unfair. No, so it's only unfair if you don't let the money circulate. Mm. Yeah. One little final thing I'd say, or just am I shortchanging myself? Of the, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 people who've come through the happy pricing course, one of the common things for every single one of them was the realization afterwards that actually they are worth more than they think. Uh, And that is a kind of given for everybody that's been in our kind of pricing community. I think lots of people who come by a sort of happy startup community might, whether you kind of agree, Carlos, a kind of general thing there, this kind of feeling that actual, a kind of truth that you are worth more than you think. Uh, And your customers probably will pay more than you think, even before you investing the time, putting the process in a kind of framework, which is allowing you to understand their motivations better. You know, even before that, I'm almost going to say kind of without doubt, you are worth more than you think. And your clients and customers would probably agree with you. Cool. Awesome. Um, some interesting stuff going on in the chat around knitting socks and selling advice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that feels like we could go down a whole different rabbit hole around <laughs> products and and yeah, mm-hmm. of value in products. But um, um, I hope that's been useful, everyone uh, who's been listening. And if you just jumped in towards the end, um, you can watch this recording right here again from the beginning. Within a few minutes, this is available on Crowdcast to watch. Or you can head over to the YouTube channel, which I'm going to put on as a link in the chat. I think it's MoneyTube. Let me double check that was the right link. And also, if anyone's got any questions that they want to explore or ask to go into more detail, um, contact us. Let us know uh, what they might be. Uh, yes. And uh, yeah, keen to keen to hear from you. And if you want to learn about price in the happy way, press that green button. Definitely. <laughs> exactly. Press the green button. Um, and yeah, I'd, while you're here, just post. While I'm here. While you're here. While you're here. But <laughs> if, if any questions are, uh, while, while everyone is still have their attention here, just post a question in the ask a question feature. Um, or if it comes back to you later, just post it there because then we can have a look through those questions as well and we can use them as themes for future conversations. Oh, 
How are you feeling, Ben? Um, I'm feeling calm and actually in need of a little break. Mm, yes. It's uh, time for... Oh, my gosh, it's nearly lunchtime. It's lunchtime now. Well, it's coming up to lunchtime. Uh, I think it's coffee time for me. Well, um, I'm really grateful for the questions and the comments on today's Waking Up to Money. It's been really useful, really helpful for guiding our thoughts and ideas. And and I'm glad it's been of use to those of you who are listening. Awesome. Well, you take care. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Thank you. I will uh, uh, hopefully see you all on Friday, Friday, 4 p.m. UK time, where we'll taking this conversation a bit further around marketing, really focusing more on the marketing. Um, but um, it's interesting. I was just thinking about, I mean, just talking about the pricing starts to get you thinking about not only the marketing, the business, the vision, everything. And it's like it's an interesting way in to actually mm-hmm. crafting what it is you want to do and how you want to work. So it is. Um, I hope that's also helpful for you um, using this excuse to talk about money to then talk about success and enough. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to make impact in your world? So take care, everyone. Hope you've been uh, inspired, educated, energized, and not bored, senseless. Um, <laughs> and until next time, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our Waking Up to Money podcast. If you are curious about learning more about pricing happy, then go to our website, happypricing.co, where you can sign up to our newsletter and receive alerts about when the new episodes are coming up and any other happy pricing tips that we put out. You can also go from there to our YouTube channel where you can watch all of our archives of live happy pricing webinars. And if you want to go a step further, you can sign up to our happy pricing course, um, which will be launching in autumn 2021. So go to the site to pre-register or contact myself or Ben. Um, You can get me on carlos at happystartups.co. And you can get Ben on ben at 10percentbetter.co. Looking forward to hearing from you.